So welcome to the Stand Tall Strength and Wellbeing podcast. We are two guys on a mission to learn more about looking after our physical and mental health and hopefully get others to do the same. This is not and ever will be medical advice. Our podcast is there to inform and generate discussion. If you are struggling with your mental or physical health, please discuss with your GP, allocated health professional and or reach out for support. For more information about what we do and all our social media information, please visit standtallwales.co.uk. Please like, subscribe, comment and get in touch. Okay, let's get going to you, Chaz. So um, I guess, first of all, it's been our first podcast. We just talked a little bit about what Stand Tall and Strength and Wellbeing is and what it does. Do you want to give that a go? Yeah, I mean, straight off the bat there. This is going to be pretty informal. We're just giving you an idea about what the business is and what we're up to. Basically, we Mm -hmm. want to try and provide a service to uh, men who are suffering with mild to moderate mental health conditions. Uh, Something that's more tailored to them, which is something we'll discuss in this now. Uh, Do you want to... I think you're probably best placed to say something here. Yeah. So I I guess we're looking to set up a a service, a community, a place for um, for guys who are struggling to a little bit more about physical health, a little bit more about, more about their mental health and well-being, um, by providing you know, courses, activities, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I think the best thing to do is have a look at our website, I think, and if you visit stantallwales.co.uk, you can find out a lot more about what Stantall is and what we do and what we've got planned and what's coming up. Um, yeah, have a look at the site and yeah, get in touch. Yeah. Um, do you want to say a little bit something about yourself, Paul? Maybe. Yeah. Don't okay. About myself. So yeah, my name is Paul. Um, I am a mental health nurse by background, and I currently work as a, as a primary mental health practitioner. And what that is, and what I do in my day job, is I do lots and lots of assessments, speak to lots of people from a range of backgrounds. And they provide a range of interventions and groups and courses and one-to-one stuff. Yes, that's that's my job. And um, I guess I'm just a bit of an average bloke, you know, born, raised in Cardiff, etc. Nothing exceptional. Um, spent a bit of time in the the Army Reserve when I sort of started training as a nurse. Um, and I'm just very kind of keen on, I guess, spreading the message around mental health and well-being and getting people to take an active role in you know taking pride in themselves taking pride in their mental health and their well-being um yeah and that's that's kind of why why, why i'm here i guess nice yeah what about you jess what about you who are you i'm a dude who likes to do a lot of adult pe um i think what paul's bringing to the business is uh the mental health side whereas I'm bringing a bit more of the physical activity side. I spend way too much time in the gym. I wanted to find a way to bring that to other people, but I didn't want to be another sort of personal trainer slash, I don't know, CrossFit coach, whatever. Um, so I'm doing this and going to help out, bringing my expertise there. Uh, job-wise, doesn't really lend to this. I work in healthcare IT hooking up uh, healthcare systems, 
used to be that's enough Chaz I'm bored already Chaz <laughs> yeah you don't you don't pick up women in the pub with this kind of patter <laughs> I mean army yeah IT no no yeah yeah, yeah. I, I guess you're touch, touching on there um, about I guess the, the underlying thing we want to do is if we want to make combined don't we sort of well-being mental health and physical health um I'm sure we'll talk about it on kind of later podcasts or we'll talk about it today, but there's, I guess what we're going to try and do is kind of blend those two things together. Why are they separate all the time? Why can't we kind of help people do both? You know, yeah, well, um, I guess that's the kind of, it doesn't exist in yeah. the bubble. It's in your head, which is on your shoulders connected to your body. If your body's not working, it's not going to work for you. Is it? Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. So Chaz, um, why, like, why, why are you here? So why did you sort of like, why are you even talking to me now on this call, on this podcast? Why, you know, why, why do you take up the offer when I mentioned it kind of maybe it was last year? I can't remember, but yeah. Um, yeah, we, we were sat freezing our knackers off watching our sons unenthusiastically kicking a football around the, the stadium and uh, you mentioned that you wanted to do uh, something with mental health with blokes and you want to start a charity or something. And uh, you were looking to offer um, something holistic. You want to do something like lifting heavy weights, like strong man or something. And a light went on in my head. I thought, right, I've been looking for a way to get into the physical exercise world and this would be a brilliant way to do it definitely do a, a lot of good I think here mm. um, and that's about it really it's just something to talk about in the cold and it's gotten a lot more real recently we've registered as a company we're putting money behind this we're reaching out um, we're doing yeah. this uh, yeah how about you how how did you come to this sort of line of work um, yeah so I think I think I've, I've told you that the sort of the kind of bit of backstory before, um, and I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll do a little kind of summary of it now. And again, I just want to point out there's no um, no kind of confidential kind of information being disclosed here. I'll keep everything to an absolute minimum. Um, but I've been in mental health now for a number of years, and one of the um, it's sad to say, but one of the occupational hazards of the job is sometimes people go on to you know be very very ill and go on to take their life. Um, and one of my roles, this was a few years ago, maybe about four years ago now, um, I was in a, in a role as a community mental health nurse. So basically that's a nurse who is um, has a caseload of people in the community, um, so keeps an eye on them, has to help support them, and acts that kind of gateway into accessing kind of psychiatric services, inpatient stuff, that kind of thing. So I... Part of my role was assessments. I assessed a lot of people. I remember I assessed this gentleman who um, was very ill, very ill at the time, and ended up being admitted to hospital. And as soon as the gentleman went in and he had a, a night's sleep, um, he kind of woke up and he sort of felt a bit better. He went home. So he discharged himself from hospital. And, you know, um, there was no reason why they could have, you know, detained him. And there's, under the Mental Health Act, that's the things way above my head. But um, so he ended up going home. And I remember just having that kind of feeling in my stomach when this, 
this guy is a bit risky. Something, something's not right here. So I remember sort of um, hooking up with him in the community. Um, I booked an appointment and seen him. And he's saying, everything's fine. Yeah, I don't want any help. And I was trying to say to him, look, you really need to think about getting some counselling, accessing some support. But he didn't kind of want it. He was kind of happy with what he was doing. He was happy with some of the risks he was taking. Um, and sadly, this person went on to take his life. And I was racking my brain for just for months and months and months. Um, there were lots of other people involved. There wasn't just me, obviously. But um, I was thinking, like, what what could I have done differently? And what's wrong with services? Why is this happening? And it's one of my first exposures to someone in the job who took their life. Um, and I was thinking, like, what could be different? And I couldn't think of much. I was struggling. You know, I could have done things differently. What, like, yada, yada, yada. So I was thinking, and the thing I kind of settled on was what it's maybe things can be done then and there. Maybe things could have been done so years ago. Is to earlier on in this person's life, could there have been things that would have given him connections, or would have given him a sense of community, would have given him some ways to um, to understand mental health, to understand well-being, and to get in the gym and be kind of proud of yourself. You know, that best self-esteem and things. And see that that's. And that's kind of where the, the, the idea of sort of stand tall was starting to sort of bubble up. Um, and I'm very much a pie-in-the-sky thinker. Um, and I can maybe remember speaking to you then um, on, on that rugby game, uh, rugby game football match with, uh, with our boys. And I think then you sort of took that and you just sort of, you know, really kind of were a big driving force to get this idea sort of out there then. So, yeah, that's kind of why, why I started um, thinking about it. That's kind of ultimately why I'm here. And you know, since since that, well, since my start my career, I've been very interested in getting understanding men's mental health, getting guys to look after themselves, kind of physically and mentally. Um, and I want to sort of bring some of the stuff I know to as many people as I can, essentially. Yeah, um, that's brought something up actually. I remember, as I probably mentioned a second ago used to work as a radiographer and I remember one of my supers telling me once because I was uh, discussing with one of them a patient who'd come in and they told me some people make life choices and you can't intervene and you can't change it I mean it's obviously slightly different in the role that you do with your mental health now but I used to find that a great frustration when you see patients coming in through the door and you could see their life choices and things they were doing were contributing to the problems they were having and I had no way of mm-hmm. trying to help them out really I just had to sit there and take a picture a glorified picture of a bit of radiation um, so yeah I mean you can't tell people what to do but hopefully something we can do is give them a bit more information to work with and make better choices yeah I think you're right and I think it's getting to guys earlier I think um, I think when when someone is kind of really depressed or really anxious or surrounded by a range of stresses you know there's bills there's house problems there's financial stuff there's relationship all these kind of things start piling on sometimes then this i'm not saying the damage is done that's wrong with this kind of put it but it, it makes it a lot harder to get out of a rut um and i think yeah that's when things start to crumble and fall apart and i just i know and what i'm trying to say is can, is it possible to get the guys earlier? Is it possible to get guys interested in looking after themselves 
it's a much earlier stage, you know. And I think, I, I think, in my personal opinion, that that's that's the that's how you prevent kind of deterioration. That's how you prevent sort of men taking their life down the road, you know. That's that's, that's I guess the hypothesis I'm working on anyway. Yeah, I'm going to say something now, and not don't want to sound like a religious zealot, but there is a quote in the Bible. I think it was Jesus. He said. To those who have nothing, <laughs> to those who have Sorry. everything, more will be given, and to those who have nothing, even more will be taken, because things Sorry. accumulate. And when you start stacking up good things in your life, things accumulate a lot quicker in a good way. But when you start stacking up those bad things, things get worse and worse and worse. Because as you say, yeah. you know, when you've got all those bills and those problems in your life, when you get the next thing on top, everything just seems so much worse, and you will end up in a rut. Yeah, so. You want to try and get yeah. in there earlier on and give them the tools to start stacking up the good stuff. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to laugh then when you I just when you said yeah, I why, think it was Jesus. That's why I front loaded it. <laughs> that, that tickled me. I, a little I'm not, sorry. I'm not yeah, here to preach or anything. Uh, it, yeah. I have read the Bible and I am quite interested in it because there's a hell of a lot of knowledge in there, and that is just one yeah. of those things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a re. It's a piece yeah, that's been there for thousands of years. There's got to be something to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I, I guess one of the things we want to do on today, right, you know, other than just introducing us and introducing Stantor, is we wanted to kind of have, just to kind of give a bit of an outline, maybe start talking about, I guess, men's mental health. Um, so I, I guess when it comes to, you know, statistics on men's mental health, I know we've both had a little look at things. Is there anything you wanted to or say about what the statistics say about men's mental health? Yeah, I mean, it's something that everyone knows intuitively that there's a problem there, but I think when you start looking at those stacks, it really starts to drive it home. Have you got anything that you want to... Um, yeah, I think when it comes to... Um, again, these things are quite well known, and the, this is the sad part. They're, they're stark, and they're very well known. They're plastered everywhere. If you just type in men's mental health statistics or suicide stats... Office National Statistics, the Mental Health Foundation, there's a range of the mind, all these sort of um, organizations. So we know this the men's mental health problem. So men are three times more likely to take their life. I don't know the exact statistics, but um, they're much less likely to access um, psychological interventions, much less likely um, to access their their GP. The self-reported sort of well-being of men is is far lower. And like every metric I look at when it comes to men, men kind of fare worse. And again, it sounds really blunt, but the things that men don't fare worse is men, if men, some, some like crime statistics are like um, domestic violence. So men are the victims, but men are the perpetrators. So it's just every kind of metric you think about, men are either they're the perpetrators of something, they're the bad ones in it, or they're kind of killing themselves or they're suffering the most it's just and i'm not saying there's um men are more deserving of any kind of care and attention from kind of services or mental health care or the nhs or whatever but we've been we know this is a big disproportionately um men taking their life well that's it i mean this is something that should be made clear is this isn't a competition between the sexes yeah yeah we're identifying here is that there is a there is definitely a problem and I think it needs a lot more attention, a lot more work being put into it. Yeah, not, and, not yeah, the I, I don't of the fairer sex either. Yeah, 
and I don't want to kind of give a comparison to you know physical health, but um, if you had a physical illness, like a really kind of pronounced physical illness, that was the biggest killer of men under fifty, like suicide is, it's a physical health problem, and you're able to say um, that this physical health problem is disproportionately affecting men, um, or this, you would. That, you know, you think the services would take action in order to adjust that balance, wouldn't you? When it comes to suicide, it, it's like I'm not saying this is the case, but it sometimes feels like that. No, it's not. Men aren't accessing services. Men aren't accessing the help. Um, yeah, I mean, generally this is, speaking, this yeah. is an impression that I got as well reading through some of the literature, is that a, a lot of it seems to be that the services don't seem to be set up uh, with men primarily in mind there. They don't seem to be made attractive towards men. It's uh, men seem to be put off uh, by traditional mental health services. Something that we want to try and do is maybe lead more with uh, attractive activities that will drag people in. And yeah. oh, and by the way, on top of it, there's a bit of education there that might help with a few of the issues you might be experiencing. Yeah. I know it's a big question for you, um, but why do you think men don't access services? Um, the, I, I, I mean, I'm saying this. Uh, I've, I've fallen down this uh, at this hurdle before in my own life, um, and I think it happens when you're not as comfortable in yourself, but you try and uh, compete with those around you. And you do that in a not very well adapted way. And uh, I think the idea of approaching a mental health service, admitting that there might be a bit of an issue there, puts a bit of dent in your pride. And you think that might reflect badly on yourself when you're stacked up against all the other blokes that are around you, when you're trying to establish yourself in the world. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot there about kind of comparing yourself to, to others. Um I guess I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm making guess here, but it's like, it almost like that bit of like masculine kind of shame, isn't it? That you're not sort of, you're not the one I know in control. There's things going wrong. You know, it's all that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, and it seems to affect younger men as well, especially. Yeah, uh, I mean, one of yeah, the it's certainly like. One, is, oh, sorry, you, you, yeah, you carry on. Sorry, one of the things that's staring me on in the face on the screen right now is uh, second leading cause of death between 15 to 29 year olds is suicide from mental health issues. Um, And it's, it's those younger men who are still trying to get established in life, still trying to understand who they are. They're still looking for those, uh, those uh, points to put on their personality, you know, and instead of being able to build on experience they've had in their life, like a built up career or something like that, and use that to establish a, their character, they they might be looking for other things, you know, trying to be a tough macho man. Yeah, I, th- I think that um, it's one thing. I think particularly as a as a sort of nurse, someone who sees someone a lot of one to one interventions, um, I think it's probably shared across my colleagues as well. Sometimes we really underestimate, like the mentality of young people. That's guys and girls too. That's just that's just young people, and I think status um, is so important. Your place in the kind of hierarchy is so important. Your image is so important. And I think we, we really underestimate how um, 
you know, slights to our image or reasons that we kind of our self-esteem is lowered or attacked when we're young can be so powerful. Maybe things like, you know, me and you guys our age can maybe sometimes brush off or sometimes kind of able to kind of rationalize and move on with things. It's very, very hard to do when you're young. And I think we, we don't appreciate the little things that we might not appreciate now. Um, but back then, it can be significant kind of difficulties. Um, just like even younger, like, you know, your friends getting good jobs. That might just seem like a really trivial thing uh, as now. But back then, that, that could be a huge a, a, a smash in the face of your self-esteem. A huge impact on your state. They say that you've got a, a physical health problem or um, the way you look. Yeah, all these kind of things play a huge part. And I think we really underestimate those. They do, they do, and they. Uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, the, the hierarchy, the social hierarchy around you. I mean, it directly affects your brain chemistry. It 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 really does, even if you're not that aware of it. Yeah. Um, there was um, I can't remember the study i think i've mentioned this to you before um i think it was i brought to my attention when i was studying uni and i was reminding of it reminded of it when i read um johan harry's lost connections which is a really fantastic book and i recommend people have a read of it but it kind of highlighted that um it's a bad working environment um and people in kind of supporting the positions will be in a lot more stress and a lot more likely to die and die prematurely just because of that um, I think this this I think this study was done in the UK tax office, I think, um, and across like thousands of people. Um, and it, it just kind of it illustrates how how much stress and pressure um, when you when you have all these things put on you can can affect you so much. Um, yeah, and I think the other thing on that book I, I really took away was um, he highlighted that you know when it comes to depression anyway. A huge cause of depression is just being not having connections with things, just not being connected to, to a community, not being connected to your body, not being connected to nature, to other people, to interests. Um, yeah, and I don't know what's going to go with that. I think it's a really important thing to sort of to recognise. I think that's that's a I think that's a huge part why why a lot of guys are struggling because they lack those kind of connections. Um, yeah. Yeah, cool. the connections are really important. Um, something that I have a personal interest in is uh, philosophy, and that's one of the things that I've come to realise, obviously not personally discover, but realise from reading other great people, is that you do need something a lot bigger than yourself, something outside of yourself that you're hmm. personally connected to. Um, that can be people that you're personally invested in, that you're helping out, or things that you've created that will outlast you. And it is that existential connection that kind of makes you feel a bit more relaxed about things, knowing yeah. that you're leaving a lasting mark on something bigger than yourself. Yeah. What, what kind of, again, a personal deep question, but what kind of connections to sort of, do you feel kind of bring a lot of meaning to you? Um, well, something that got me into this line of work was uh, coaching, uh, rugby coaching. Um, I mean, I've always always been interested in sport and things like that, but I didn't know I wanted to get into the coaching side of it until I started coaching the rugby team. I started with the under-sixes in Barry. Move on to the under-sevens. Your son joined our team as well. Our boys are inseparable. Um, 
my son's on the team as well, even though it's a bit of a pain in the backside sometimes. I mean, your dad is the coach. You get into a few arguments every now and again, but just seeing them develop and knowing that you've had an input on that, especially without many kids, 20-odd kids, and you've had, you've given them something positive and seeing them develop in that sport and knowing it's going to last longer than you. I mean, as well, like my son, when he came into the world, as one of the first thoughts I had, it was really, really bizarre. Took me back, but it was literally seeing him for the first time was uh, knowing everything was okay. And it was because something would always go on after me. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want yeah. to disappear up my own arse there, but that was a really profound moment for me. Yeah, I I think similar. And this is the thing I often I often tell people that um having about having kids. Like uh, I'm kind of the type of person who grew up with just loads of regrets. Just can't why the hell I do this? Why didn't someone tell me to do this? Why did I pick these subjects in school? Why did I do this job? Why did I quit this job? Just th- those things constantly. Why didn't I pick up this instrument? Why didn't I do the sport? Um, and I always had those kind of thoughts in the back of my mind and just thoughts and just like oh, I'm not good enough I should have done these things but then when having kids um, I, I almost like overnight just lost that regret because if my life was any different I wouldn't have had kids I wouldn't have had no, I, would have, no, I may have had kids but it wouldn't have been my boy you know? I, I might have had another kid or I may have not had no kids but um, if my past was any different I wouldn't be here right now with, you know, two wonderful, slightly annoying, chopsy kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a bit of a bit of a deep turn there, Charles, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's just a... Who started that? It was all my fault. Sorry. <laughs> it's just a quick call about our business, just to tell people how it runs. We don't need to go that deep. Um, <laughs> we, I mean, that discussion alone, I'm just thinking you could do a whole podcast on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, at some point. Yeah, so on, on your reading for this, now when we like doing a bit of kind of research and thinking about sort of men's mental health, is there anything else you sort of you looked at you want to mention? No, it's not really stuff I want to talk about. It's absolutely horrible. Um, reading yeah. papers about suicide and how men are massively at risk in this um, but I suppose we do have to talk about this uh, it, we probably want to talk about I mean we mentioned why men don't access the services what help is out there how would you get help if you needed it Paul come on you've got to be the guy who can answer this question yeah you think I should be able to answer this question pretty much my job um so fundamentally uh, when it comes to particularly services in wales it does very slightly different england but generally speaking it's going to be going to your gp your doctor um they are the person who sort of in over the overseer of your care they're the ones who sort of refer on to other services they're the ones who can get you to access come special services mental services if they need to refer you to a an orthopedic team or to a mental health team, they're the ones who do it. Um, in most surgeries as well now, there are mental health workers allocated as well. Not all surgeries, but most. So if you've got a specific mental health need, you can speak to a mental health professional. Um, generally, you might have a bit more time with them as well, maybe like an extra 10 minutes or so. Um, so fundamentally, if someone's struggling um, with their with their mental health, 
And I always sort of say to people, if if you think your mental health is interfering with your life in some way, if you look back at a time where your mental well-being was in a better place and you compare it to then to now and there's a difference, I think speaking to someone for help would be great. Um, so you go to the GP and if you're looking for um, some more help there, but there are also lots of great local services in most towns around where, kind of where we live and around the UK. You've got Mind, so that can be a really good place to find out more information. They provide a number of courses. There are a range of local services to where we, where we live as well that are not that are not kind of the art mind and lots of other things so i think it's just getting out there and finding things but, it, but the, the difficulty is the hard thing is with with guys is getting guys even to that point of getting help um i think fundamentally if you're struggling to do that is having people around you who got your back people around you who you can trust people you can talk to about these difficulties who can maybe kind of give you a helping hand, encourage you to, to get help. Um, but it is hard. I speak to a lot of people who only get help when things are really bad, when they've, you know, frankly left it far too long. Um, and if someone's struggling with a mental health disorder, like you know, depression or an anxiety disorder, time often makes things worse. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, frankly, there's a lot of help out there, but it's, it's getting to that help is the sort of, is the, the push that a lot of people need. Yeah. I suppose something we yeah. should also talk about, because it's striking me now as we get to this point that we haven't, is what are we actually going to be doing? So we're going to be offering um, a course initially to people who have problems um what we're looking to offer at first um is sort of we're still still planning this out it's going to be around eight to ten weeks maybe once a week one hour of um olympic weightlifting tuition which sounds a bit strange but we'll come back to that in a sec um and then one hour of uh uh, how would you describe it, Paul? This is going to be your bag the second hour. Yeah, yeah. So following the, sort of the, the Olympic lifting session, we're, we're going to be running well-being workshops, which are um, kind of informal um, workshops kind of centered around a range of different themes, themes such as, <clears throat> you know, understanding how to get a, a better night's sleep, you know, what is depression, ways to sort of boost motivation, um, how to, um, you know, become mindfulness practice. Yeah, so we're going to be covering a range of different topics. And I guess the kind of things that I I find myself talking to people a lot in my job, that's the, that's the kind of the, um, one of the things I've been doing over the last sort of couple of years is working out why people really struggling, what, what could they really do with knowing? Um, so yeah, so the, I guess we're going to be delivering those well-being workshops built around various various themes. Yeah, um, we're so the Olympic weightlifting then is uh, basically it's just an activity where we can create a bit of a group environment, uh, get guys kind of having a bit of fun, slight bit of competition, but not too much. Um, it's completely scalable. We could get a, a even if you're old and you can 
struggle to get out of your chair we could scale it back obviously you do need to be able to walk around <laughs> uh it's olympic weightlifting something that pretty much no one's ever done although i guarantee you when we do start doing it there's going to be someone in there who's an expert or something who's going to show me up uh so it's a skill where everyone's starting from the start and learning how yeah paul he's <laughs> he's a dangerous in the gym <laughs> Uh, very dangerous yeah, yeah it's a, myself it's a skill where uh, everyone's going to be pretty much starting from scratch it's going to take everyone right the way back um, it's going to give you a bit of confidence in that you can learn that skill from scratch um, and it's a really wholesome thing to do it's something that's really transferable as well um, a buzzword at the moment is functional movements and they are they are the most functional movements, basically the evolution of how to get the biggest, heaviest weight possible above your head. Um, and they map directly onto real life. You're looking at picking something up from the floor and getting it up above your head onto a shelf, getting in and out of a chair. These movements map directly. They will help you. Um, they're really good for you as well. Uh, I, I'm trying to skirt over this without going into too much detail because yeah, I'll come into the chat as well. And whenever I've like looked at, you know, the things the men should be doing for mental and physical health, whenever I've kind of read things, whenever I've looked into this, when I started kind of thinking of ideas about what we should be doing, the thing that rises to the top all the time is resistance training of some description. Um, it's kind of the best thing that men can do for their physical and mental health. And for so many reasons, I'm sure we could probably you know, dedicate an entire podcast. Yeah. That's not going to be my area of expertise there. But um, as soon as we can talk about the why lifting weights is the best thing men can do. Yeah. Um, it literally, I mean, off the top of my head, you've got a, your bone density increases under resistance training. Uh, the way you train for Olympic weightlifting using massive groups of muscles and the biggest ones in your body your ass it's the most mu used muscle for Olympic weightlifting when you're using those muscles in that fashion you increase testosterone output it's good for your hormones yeah. in that way uh, you've got it, a good ass jazz I've got a fantastic ass it's a powerful ass um, <laughs> also the movements themselves they take you through the full range of motion your mobility is amazing you look at like Sasha one of them biggest weightlifters ever in the world he looks like he should be playing darts but he can squat like a like a toddler does when you see a toddler squat down and pick up a block with almost with their ankles together effortlessly and stand back up again and adults go i wish i could do that again he can do it and you can get back to that if you train properly consistently you know it's it, it it's when you get an old person who falls over and can't get off the floor, you could improve your mobility and get back to the point where you could fall over and get back up on one leg from the floor without using yeah. your hands. You know? Yeah, that's something else I looked at as well. Um, was looking at sort of the indirect cause of you know, poor mobility and strength in later years. And as you get to our age, you know, we're in our 30s, um, every year we lose a little bit of muscle mass now. Yeah. Um, testosterone drops a little bit we lose like, a bit of muscle mass and if you don't look after and maintain it it becomes sort of 60s 70s 80s and we could really put us off a risk of breaking our hip ended up in hospital you know the risk of infections and all that kind of stuff that happen, happens to that as well and um, 
like I think it's in guys' interests to, to do that so they can be healthy and kind of mobile and strong for as long as possible, you know? It's the same with every faculty in the human body is if you don't use it, your body will just get rid of it because it's mm-hmm. too much effort to maintain. If you do use it, um, usually it increases. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're at the point now where we've managed to source a local gym who's going to be offering us some space to do the work, and we're trying to sort out a bit of financing. And we've had uh, some engagement with um, Metalladads, uh, who hopefully will provide some guys to step up and do a pilot. Yeah. Um, I reached out to them a you know, few back now and they kind of messaged back yeah so we've got a load of guys interested in helping us out so that's great so fingers crossed touching wood we should yeah. get a pilot done this year and yeah. hope I, tell a little, I say it's a funny story it's probably not very funny but um, I was in St. Athen the other week doing a um, like a health fair yeah um, and I was wearing this Sent you this black T-shirt, the same one. Um, dress had a beard, and Metalladads were there, and they were sort of dressed relatively similar. So everyone kept coming up to me and asking about Metalladads. <laughs> it's like, no, that's just not me. No, nope. <laughs> over there. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, obviously, I obviously fit fit the uh, fit the kind of profile for Metalladads. Yeah, but they seem like a really lovely bunch of guys, and it's great. Yeah. Nice. Um. So we're looking, maybe the last thing to briefly discuss is how people may access our service in future. What we're looking to do, obviously we're still in the very early stages, but our goal, um, how will people get into our service pool? Yeah, so um, contact us. You can go onto our our website is stantillwales.co.uk, which I think we've probably said a few times already, and you can find the self-referral tab. Fill out some very basic details, tick a box, and jobs are good. Um, the idea is then we will kind of we will be in contact, we'll be in touch, and we'll be going through um, some of our the very basics of what we do with you, and talk a little bit about the kind of the program that we're running, and hopefully when the dates come up. We can start getting guys through the door. We can start delivering these um, you know, introduction to um, Olympic weightlifting courses, these well-being sessions on a range of topics, um, and hopefully really start making a bit of a, an impact in, our, I guess, our local community. Yeah. Hope, hopefully one day we can expand the activities as well. Yeah. And that, that's we've talked about a lot, haven't we? Um, we would love to be able to do an offer a lot more. So hopefully with time, Chaz... If we can get our get our asses in gear, we can we can sort out. Do some like sewing and baking and things like that, you know. Good. Yeah, idea. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't give me to start more baking chairs. I ate you baked bread the other day. Is that all right? It wasn't that good. <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> I'll have to do my little sourdough baking class for you, Jazz. Okay. All right then. Blow your mind. All right, I think we should probably draw it there. Yeah, before we start talking, or I start talking absolute nonsense. Yeah, I mean, um, as you may kind of, we may start learning this, but I mean, I will go off on a tangent quite easily, and Chaz, it's Chaz's job to to ring me back in. Okay, well, until next time, Paul. Yeah, until next time, Chaz. Pleasure. Cheers. <laughs>